How do you go from messy data to business insights? And once you're able to do it again and again for your clients, how does that journey change you? You'll really enjoy this episode where I speak with Raul Jimenez, member of our Power BI Consultant Program. And we speak about messy data, embracing imperfection, and creating a life of freedom. This is part one of our series, Journey of a Power BI Pro. To learn more about creating your own path to freedom, please visit learnpowerbi.com backslash pro. Link is also in the show notes, and you will also find the link to connect with Raul Jimenez. Enjoy and power on. Welcome to the Power On Show, where we talk Power BI and beyond, sometimes way beyond. But our goal is always to help you create a successful Power BI career and a life of freedom. I'm your host, Avi Singh. All right, folks, so we are live today with Raul on Talk Power BI, and I'm super excited. Um, uh, I've known Raul for a while now, and it's always a pleasure to be talking to Four him. Four years. <laughs> Same here, Avi. Same here. Yep. <laughs> And um, yeah, of course. So uh, I like to talk about, you know, the, the sessions I like to cover kind of in three parts. One, and these are aligned with kind of the core principles of uh, life or career that I believe in. And Raul, I'm sure you're familiar with those. Do what you love, make an impact and create a life of freedom. So I would like us to start on the first one. Uh, and I want you to imagine you're in a Power BI conference and a friendly guy in a bow tie walks up to you. You know, you do some small talk and he says, so Raul, tell me what you do. <laughs> so where, where would you start? Um, I must say, I always practice my, my elevator pitch and, and the description and, and I end up uh, going, trying to overcomplicate it. I help my customers uh, Analyze. I help people that work in big distribution centers with a lot of uh, um, products, different products. Mm -hmm. um, I help them optimize their inventory. I help them know what to buy, when to buy it, and how much to buy it. So they don't buy too much of it. Uh, they buy at the right time. Uh, they can uh, basically that. So people that, um, and I always, as you we've discussed people that deal with that kind of problems, uh, be it uh, somebody that distributes uh, for a supermarket and they have to distribute to all the supermarkets. You don't want to have too much of uh, any product because it's just sitting there, it's money tied up and you don't have too little of it because people will want your product and they don't have it. You can't offer it to them, but go somewhere else and you lose business. So when you have inventory, you have to have the correct inventory at the right time in the right mm. quantity. And that's mm. what I help them analyze their sales, do forecasts yeah. uh, to help them optimize uh, uh, those those uh, elements of the inventory. That, that sounds incredible, but this seems complicated. And I can imagine in any warehouse there's, so I run a small business and I know already, even in my business, there's so many moving parts and components I help me understand or get a little bit of a sense of the complexity that is there. And typically what is the size of warehouses or for the clients you work with? How many items are we talking about? I don't know. What are the moving uh, parts? Let me see. Compl complexities. There are, uh, we normally think of a product, okay, as tennis shoes. Okay. But you have mm -hmm. to have, uh, the same ten these tennis shoes in different sizes and different colors uh, so there might be tennis shoes for running but uh sub you know uh, so you might have flour okay do you have uh, uh corn flour or do you have wheat flour do you have the big packages the small packages mm -hmm. the extra one so in normally uh the clients i work with can have and uh, normally have between five six thousand different products up to 12 15,000 different products um so wow. difficulties uh wait this is just product types you're not talking about units right you're just saying correct. five thousand exactly. different products exactly. fifteen thousand different products whoa 
All right. All right. Tell me more. So, uh, you know, uh, we have milk. Do you have milk? That's a, we think <laughs> of it as one product. Yeah. Okay. We have different brands. We have uh, milk that has extra protein. Uh, we have uh, D-lactose milk. We have the small packages. We have the big packages. We have the five-gallon jugs. So yeah. each one of those is uh, is referenced as an SKU stock keeping unit and has very unique. Oh, that's what it stands uh, for. I never thought yeah, about S- it. You know? SKU. <laughs> People always talk about the SKUs. Q yeah. is a stock keeping unit. Yeah. Um, so you have to let me see. Stepping back, the first thing, one of the first things we do with the clients. Okay, you have to classify. Uh, the products to see, we do a bit of a Pareto analysis. Uh, you know, Pareto 80-20, what are the products that are sold the most in terms of quantity of, of cycles of, of uh, you know, you sell a ton of, of little products, which helps optimize the warehouse, or in terms of money. The first go is normally about money. Um, there's no point in trying to improve or, or, or concentrate on products that you sell once every six months. You want to uh, so Pareto, we classify the products normally as a. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again because that felt so important, which is no point in optimizing a warehouse for a product you sell only six months. And I, I'm trying to kind of draw a parallel to my world. Sometimes what I find myself, and again, it, it's it's like we, I have the freedom to run my own business, but sometimes I would spend like three hours working on something which has this application. Versus I could have been working on something bigger, maybe a YouTube video, which would yeah, have a very different impact. So, and, and, and yeah, so of course, I think, yeah, I can imagine how the stakes can be bigger. If somebody's running a warehouse. So, so great. So you're optimizing not for the product that you sell every six months, you're optimizing for, sure. the, for the, to maximize the, the money or the volume, right? That's, that's what and, I'm there are, let, me, let me see. There are two things. One is the, the money. How much do you have tied up? You know, uh, uh, cash is king. Uh, the more money that is available to invest in other things and marketing and whatnot uh, will help. So we want to have the the right amount of product yeah. when it's needed. So classifying, thank you for Pareto. I, I, I find that even in business, a lot of people don't understand Pareto. And the way I, I always explain it to people is, we want to analyze what are the products that deliver 80% of the money, which surprisingly tend to be, as we know, uh, uh, yeah. very concentrated, about 20%, 15, mm. 16, 18, 20% of the products will generate 80% of the money. And I give it as the example I give my clients is, or people that don't haven't heard about the concept before is, if we were to analyze the sales of, of a big warehouse, of a big, uh, uh, some, what do you call it, something like Home Depot, that sells paint and lumber and screws and, and, and hammers, 80% of the money comes from the big cu- customers, builders, uh, uh, handymen, you know, you and myself yeah, that once, yeah. you know, once a month, if you're <laughs> like myself, screws, your, yeah. <laughs> your wife tells you that the, the, there's a, some uh, uh, walls that need painting and they have to yeah. be fixed or hang this, this, uh, this uh-huh. painting, we'll go and get two screws and we get a gallon of paint. We, we are not... We don't give them that much money. They have to have it there because they want to have an offering for everybody. But the main money comes from those 20% of customers. Likewise, 20% of the products that you have are the bread and butter. They're, they're yeah. the ones that really bring in money. Yeah. So, so, so I'm just going to pause and, and call out to that this is really cool because what you're talking about, I mean, of course, you're talking about warehouses in this context, but this is very universal. This would apply to any business. Yes. And certainly the example you gave for customers, that certainly applies. Every business has customers. My mistake. Sorry. All right. All right. No, we're back on. Okay. Uh, terrific. So he, uh, talking about uh, that sense of complexity, the sense of scale, what kind of size of a warehouse? Like, is it in, I suppose, in square feet? Just uh, give me, normally give me an estimate. In, that, that varies, but, uh, you know, uh, 20,000 feet. Um, 20,000 square feet. That is, yes. Yeah. That, that's, it's, you know, um, and that's not even massive, uh, with other, with other, but, uh, the, the size in itself is not so much so important because I don't get too mm. much into the logistic. I get more into the operations and the buying. Uh, and again, I, I always define it as what to buy, when to buy it, and how much of it to buy. Yeah. Um, 
and you start finding so let me see did the main thing is okay what to buy and when to buy it you have to analyze the sales you have to see if there's seasonality um somebody going back to the 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 example of uh of uh um, home depot they you know during the summer the sales skyrocket uh, because everybody's working and most of the construction happens then so if is there seasonality i have worked with a customer that does works in products related to agriculture so mm-hmm. again during the summer there's a big spike of certain things interestingly enough once you start working with certain type of customers you learn little nuances of of their business um in agriculture in january february there are certain i'm drawing a blank right now but i, I don't remember exactly which one but i think it's fungicides mm-hmm. or uh, that they have to apply in january and february preparing for june okay so analyzing sales about with the seasonality okay so you can expect a peak um mm-hmm. uh when something is coming you know you have to sell that stock uh during that season because you know if, if not it's going to be sitting for for literally a year there are certain things that are so specialized that they sell in i don't know give it two months uh the rest of the year they sell very little i don't know fireworks uh in each country mm-hmm. i'm sure there are certain times around the, mm-hmm. the year when they sell uh, in the us it might be 4th of july in latin america uh, it tends to be around christmas for some reason uh, people mm-hmm. buy fireworks so anyway nice. so you analyze the sales for those kind of patterns uh the seasonality uh you can forecast depending on how complex or you you can start adding certain things to think about and correlate which is great nowadays with uh, artificial intelligence certain things you can draw out out of the information uh on weekends that is uh the first weekend or first week of the month or middle of the month or end of the month mm-hmm. you'll get a lot more sales um because certain products uh are tied to when people get paid so Wow. In Latin America, people get paid weekly. Some people get paid bi-weekly instead once a month. So depending on your market, you will find this kind of things. So yeah. obviously the first step, analyze the sales. The season. When are the ups and downs of valleys? Okay. Um the products that are more important, you don't want the customers to come and not find them. Uh so products that are a that are very important you tend to really run a low risk of of running out mm-hmm. um that's another level of analysis in the supply chain the level of service how many times when something was needed was yeah. it available um if there's something that you buy very seldomly that you sell very seldomly you are more than likely to encounter a customer that will be happy and say you know you can tell them look i'm very sorry we don't have it but we can get it to you in a week or mm-hmm. 10 days uh, yeah. yeah look i know i i almost never get that i i yeah. just need it for... and they'll be willing to do it if it's something if you go to a shop and you need milk mm-hmm. you'll go somewhere else and buy it if you don't have it so yeah you well, have to sit back sorry go ahead Ali. uh no man i was just i was just wondering that this i mean i was uh yeah kind of admiring that the depth at which you have worked with your clients and i can see that there is kind of a general layer that yep yeah, it's it's kind of yep yeah, warehousing looking at products looking at stocking what to buy when but it was really fascinating for me to hear the specifics and i'll say that that's the part that i really enjoy about uh, using power bi or doing power bi consulting that it's always unique right i mean and and oh so so tell me a bit about that what are the parts that you you specifically enjoy or as you engage with the client um uh, yeah tell me a bit about that um a thing let me see but uh, i enjoy and it well, i guess i say sadly i always tell my kids you know your dad used to be cool i uh, i used to when i was younger um things that excite me are running the numbers and and finding mm. the patterns and uh and uh uh working with like-minded people that is a thing that i being independent like something that you have helped me great greatly to to be an independent consultant is being able to work with people who i like working with 
whom I get along with in projects that I like. I, I'm not being told by somebody, hey, Raul, you know, we, we, you're going to be working on, on the, this product, this project for the next year and a half, and, and you don't like it. Um, I have the freedom to, at the, from the beginning, you know, one has to be professional. You can't, after six months, say, man, I don't like you guys anymore. You, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Um, but it gets to the point where it's, you can, you can tell the, the potential customer, look, I don't think we're a good fit. And I can put you in contact with somebody. And normally, it might not be something personal. It might be that um, the customer is in Europe. And I've realized, I tried it once. And I yeah. thought, no, I can, you know, I can get up early in the morning. And it, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. it, it'll be very complicated. It could work. But mm. uh, it would be very complicated. It could be that it is uh, something that, uh, anyway, a million reasons. Yeah, Having the freedom of of telling uh, somebody or uh, rejecting a, a project is is amazing. I enjoy, I work with my customers closely. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no, you know, something that I also learned from you and from the program, uh, working in an agile manner, trying to do small increments, test things, test them out, test them out with the customer. Yeah. Um, be- so because of that, I work with them in close, you know, very closely. I speak with my customers almost daily, um, and uh, it, it's you develop friendships from yeah. that. Funny enough, for example, as Absolutely. an example, this morning I was uh, working with a, a customer that has since become a friend. We've been working together for almost two years, and he saw me that I was wearing a, a, a collar shirt, and he was joking, said, oh, "You know, <laughs> hey, did did your wife dress you up? Do you have an interview?" Um, because mm-hmm. we've gotten used to, it's not like I show up without a shirt, but we normally have T-shirts and uh, mm-hmm. whatnot. And we were joking, and I told him he is part of the program as well. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, we were joking about it. He knew it was other. Yeah. Um, that type of freedom is, is great. I enjoy running numbers. I enjoy developing the formulas. I enjoy creating reports that help really help them um in simple simple silly things that we always knew as a manager Mm -hmm. that uh, it would be great if we could do this type of analysis but we simply didn't have the time being able to create the tools for them for that is amazing as a quick example a customer actually a customer told me about two years ago they mentioned to me that they noticed a dip in in sales and x line of product Mm-hmm. with the report that I had meant, uh, made for them. Fortunately, they were able to do a, a root cause. They found out there was one particular customer that always used to buy it that had stopped buying it. They went. They set up a meeting to go and talk to them to find out what had happened. They thought maybe they had lost the business to somebody else or something like that. When they went to this customer, the customer hadn't realized that he himself had wow. uh, uh, lost the business You know when... when they were at the meeting. They said, oh, why aren't you buying, you know, like what happened, product ABC? He said, what do you mean? It's like you have bought $100,000 less than last year. Yeah. You know, the typical, hold on a second, guys. You know, yeah. hey, assistant, can you get me the numbers for this? And sure enough, he hadn't realized that. So wow, um, things Man, like that, that are, are that very. Is, that is incredible, Raul. What a great story. I mean, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to kind of experience that a few times where, not intentionally i'm not i don't walk in that way but you know sometimes where you find that yeah through the data you kind of know their business better than they do and and in this case this happened for your for your clients uh uh clients right uh so that's that's quite an incredible story uh tell me more about the people you work with so i know you talked about kind of warehouses and so forth are you working with the executive level the senior management level who are your typical clients Normally, senior management that uh, is in charge of it. Uh, and yes, senior management, uh, the buy-in has to be there from, from senior yeah. management. Um, and I normally work with, with uh, the, the higher, higher uh, level people, people that can make decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, they can not make people use something, but they can, they can the, the, you know, the, the request that the tool be used um, is normally coming from them. They're not receiving it from somebody, but they are the ones driving the yeah. adoption of the tool. 
Um, the customers that I deal with are normally customers that have revenue in excess of 100 million. Okay. Um, now, having said that, the, the number of, of employees themselves aren't that high. It is, mm -hmm. you know, the, you can move a, a, a lot of money uh, with uh, one truck, for example. So mm -hmm. it's not that they, man well, some of them manufacture, but, but mostly it's distribution of yeah. product, business to business. They are not, they don't sell to the end users. Um, I was mentioning, I understand the concepts and I've studied them uh, with doing, for example, supermarkets. I don't work with uh, perishable goods. Things or normally don't uh, things that can go bad, you know. Uh, All right, uh, because uh, that that uh, adds a whole other level uh, of complexity. Uh, complexity, right? and in there, the op operations part of it is mm -hmm. extremely, extremely, extremely important. Um, I don't. I, I usually don't uh, don't uh, deal with yeah. that type of customer. But man, I, I'm I'm loving every word you're saying, and and you know. So you were talking about kind of choosing the kind of work that you do, choosing the kind of clients you work with. And you talked about kind of, you know, kind of saying no to them. And of course, the line that was coming to me was when you it, when you say no to something, you, you're saying yes to something else. And that's what I try to remember, that it's not really a no. Well, I'm saying yes to things that are important to me. I'm saying yes to places where I feel I can make a bigger contribution. Right. So, so yeah, that's where the no is coming from. Not like a hard place. Like, oh, I don't like you. Right. So, yeah, that's, exactly. That's, exactly. Uh, that's incredible. So I was really wondering about this, this industry. So um, I have a very consumer centric view of this, uh, which is I shop on Amazon, right? But what the sense that I get from Amazon is of course, Amazon is a marketplace and then there are sellers there and so forth. I, I never really thought about the distributors and stuff, but it seems like the margins are low. So what I'm thinking is that is this, like a really cutthroat industry, like margins are really low. And if they don't get it right, it, how much is the risk of like, if, you, if you're not stocking the right products and you're hemorrhaging money or no, I mean, they do have some buffer and it's like, yeah, it's okay. We can afford to lose a little money here and there if we didn't have the right product or something like that. Yeah. Tell me what is the industry like? What is that hmm. landscape like? The, the, the two main customers I have, no, they, they have sell products that uh, are not perishable, hmm. um, not perishable in the sense of they can go bad, for example, fruits or food, or perishable, for example, clothes. Clothes, you know, it might fashion. be a shirt, but especially the things that are very connected to, to a season, yeah. um, you know, that, that can also be considered perishable. Um, from their point of view, no, yeah. uh, margins are not that cutthroat. Okay. But it That's is good. obviously important to, yeah. to analyze where are your margins being eroded, even though I concentrate on the inventory part of things, of, of getting, buying thing again, what to buy, yeah. when to buy, how much to keep of it, but also analyzing sales, analyzing margins, yeah. where are the margins getting eroded or are they getting bumped? Is yeah. it and you know? Is it because of the price changes? Is it because of volume? Is it because of the mix? You're selling yeah. new stuff, uh, different things. Um, so so, so that... actually, let me sorry, sorry to cut you in, but uh, before so much from you about the value deliver, I would love to hear maybe like a before and after. <laughs> you know, so tell me like when you engage, where are they? And sometimes, you know, we we talk in our group in, uh, internally and. Um, we talk about how sometimes you walk into these really big companies and oh my god it's it's just it's it's yeah it's it's just a house of cards this there's no data or data is locked away somewhere there's very little no reporting uh but yeah so tell me what is the before and after like what's the state examples. you typically find them in and then as you work with them uh yeah what uh, contrast that for for me i'll give you two examples Three examples, but two about dead inventory, which is things that are not selling that are just mm. simply there, uh, yeah. and one about the the ana uh, analysis and, and time spent and wasted money. One of the key reasons why I became uh, or, or not became, but, but concentrated on data analysis. I've been do I've done data analysis all my life. I was a structural engineer originally, but mm. I used to manage big teams and resources. 
and for about 10 years, I did a lot of construction for very big projects. So that inventory came into play, like I did different projects, what to buy, concrete can, if it's in the tropics, can because of the humidity, if you buy too much of it, it can go off simply mm. from the air or humidity. So um, I've always, the reason I, one of the main reasons I concentrated 100% on data analysis was I had uh, an interaction with a very, very big, massive company. Um, and I was helping them to automate one report, a report that they would produce every Friday. Um, on Monday, they would get uh, a ton of information from the dent uh, of several, about eight or seven companies in the group. Uh, they would get a data dump, and somebody had to spend, you know, three or four days cleaning it up because it was in Word, Excel, uh, PowerPoint, you know, a napkin with some things jotted onto it. Yeah. And this person permanently, this junior data analyst, basically well, what they were doing was just getting information and putting it together. And Friday, they would uh, issue a, a, um, a report for the C-suit. Mm -hmm. With three yeah. graphs and, and, and four. Yeah, I, I'm only uh, laughing because I feel like I've been that guy. <laughs> exactly. We we all were because it was, and now this is a company I was spending, somebody was spending about 70, 80% of their, their time, somebody that was probably making, I don't know, a good bit of money, let's say, it doesn't matter how much they were making, doing this. We automated it with Power Query because the format of the table was always the same, with the same rules. Uh, there was one company that had a legacy system where they didn't have a field to record X. So mm -hmm. they would add an asterisk or a B or a C. And if it had B, you have to go up 20%. If it had a C uh, and it was Tuesday, you had to divide it by two. You know, this kind of thing. The rules yeah. were always the same. We automated it and people never believe me. That's a problem I have with my customers when I, I'm telling them. We automated it to an hour. Yeah. Because it was literally, so that's, that's a, so not to spend too much time on it, but that literally was for me, it was a, mm -hmm. I, I spoke to my wife and I told her I was thinking of concentrating on, on it. And uh, um, that's why I did oh, this one particular thing. Um, that's, that's beautiful. I'll just say that what you said about the challenge about people not believing you, that's a real thing. I mean, sometimes the results are so good. That yeah, people who are still people living in that old world, it, yeah, exactly. Who are still stuck yeah. in that thing and kind of doing manually. It's like, well, no, surely no. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah, sure I, next I next uh, yeah, Raul. Next you're gonna try to sell me a bridge, are you right? <laughs> exactly. I, today I heard a very good saying. I was watching, I was watching a bit, studying a bit, and a guy said, you know, uh, and I, I think it's an African saying. He was saying, when people have been bitten by a snake, they become afraid of ropes. Meaning we've been, you know, sold smoke and, yeah. and made promises that never came through, yep. especially with something so truly sounds crazy. So th this is a real case. And, and um, when I, you know, when, when we had the report and the, the, the person that was doing it, an extremely intelligent, talented, young industrial engineer, this a girl, she came on Monday by lunch and told me, hey, it's done. I said, okay, coming over, let's do some checks just to double check. We sent it over on Monday. On Tuesday, they call me from the head office saying, look, this is great. You don't have to send us progress reports. And I said, no, the, the, this is it. it. You know, silence. Three days later, they call me because they went to have to go and do it by hand. They said, it's right. They said, yeah. that of course, if I send you something, it's because it's right. That's one. Uh, two, and that I have found, and, and these are projects that I did a good while ago. Uh, with some companies, analyzing debt stock is, is what is selling. Normally, we, we concentrate on what is selling, what is giving us money. This is great. The margins are up. The, the mm -hmm. sales have increased. But we forget about certain things that are have been left behind. It One can call it um, dusty inventory, you know, because it's just yeah. they're gathering dust. Yeah. Um, and with uh, certain companies, we found they had millions of dollars. Millions of dollars of things that hadn't sold in two, three years, which one can do either try to sell it or you can write it off the books immediately. In terms of accounting, there are rules for that, but you can write that off as as a uh, as a loss, yeah. Unless they have been writing it off the books, you know, like a depreciation, but um, that can bump the 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 cash flow because it's seen as a loss. It takes all, it's a cost anyway, etc. Um, but just the fact of having something that was millions of dollars in a warehouse, 
that stuff mm -hmm. normally has to be moved to make space and you have to end up moving it two or three times with the cost of, uh, of doing it two or three times, uh, the cost of insurance. So I've had two experiences where they had millions of dollars of, of, uh, of debt inventory. Another program they had, their, their ERP, um, had the, the logic that the ERP would follow if something was dead was, has it sold in the last three mo 12 months? Are there any sales recorded? Nope. And it would put the, the, the product in the list. But as soon as it sold one, you had 10,000. You sold one, mm -hmm. but it would take yeah. it off. So they had a false um, picture of, of their, their, what was happening. Um, and the same thing. It, in the end, they had millions of products that, that needed to be moved off, off the, the warehouse, uh, off of their offering. Yeah. Um, so that that can be done very quickly. That the, the initial, the low hanging fruit, yeah, is normally that, and that provides a very quick uh, um, value. And and for them, you know, okay, let's get rid of this stuff. We can get it off the books, get off the warehouse, uh, and make space for for good things that are selling. Yeah, man, beautiful stories. Love that. You know, the thought that that's coming to me is that. Um, we always talk about I have to deal with like resistance to change. Like Power BI is amazing, and I think most people realize that. But there's there's often a resistance to change, a resistance to accepting Power BI, and I think some of that fear comes from a. Sometimes people are embarrassed to admit even to themselves that they don't have awareness of their own business, right? They don't have that insight, so they they're embarrassed about that. And secondly, they're afraid to look in. So like, oh, I don't know, but I'm afraid to shine that torch because I don't know what it's going to show. Um, yes. Yeah. But, but you don't know what hurts you, and which it can't <laughs> be. You know, it shouldn't be in business. It really works in but business, it's right? it's true. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. I, I, better, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So I think it, it just, and it's just, you know, kind of that, that small step, just start. I, I always feel like, Walking in with Power BI is like walking in with a torchlight in a dark room. Yeah, it's going to eliminate stuff. And yep, you're going to find some cobwebs maybe. But hey, that's where the work starts. And you go in the agile iterative fashion. It, it'll float issues to the top. And things mm -hmm. that I have found that have happened to me um, in smaller projects normally that, that I've worked with throughout the years, um, they we find uh, issues with the data keeping. Um, what do I mean? You know, uh, um, they started you. They, they were supposed to be gathering X information about the sales, and they weren't. But nobody had realized because it wasn't being analyzed. And as soon as you're like, "Hey, no, none of these fields are uh, have information in them," yeah, um, or they've been recording things wrong. Oh, mm. I thought that we were recording the sale with taxes in here. Uh, oh no, we sh should have been without taxes now. Our, our sales aren't as big as we mm. uh, so yes it, it does shine a torch and it, and it boils issues yeah. to the top love it love it great all right well let's switch gears a bit and uh, so uh, what well, you and I both left the conventional nine to five behind uh, what does it mean for you what's the relevance of not just what you do we have talked about that but how you do it right I mean, so you're an independent consultant what is that? Why is that important for you? Why is it relevant? And how does that reflect in your life right now? What's what's different that you can do now versus you can do earlier? It's, it's yeah, it's it's night and day. It truly is night and day. Why the freedom? The freedom of, of working. I normally try to start work early. I I have small children, so we get up early with the kids, take them to school. I can I have the freedom of, of Doing, if I need to do something, do it whenever. Obviously, the work has to be done, and that's the beauty of it. I can do it late at night. I can do it early in the morning. Yeah. Um, I can. I haven't missed uh, our kids' activities in the last few, five years. I've gone to every uh, crazy long, you know, children's play that you're kind of hoping it'll fit. No, just kidding. <laughs> I love my kids. <laughs> no, but uh, I've been able to go to all their football games, the, to all their plays, uh, to the Christmas thing. I've been able to go on walks with, we go on walks with my wife three times a day, and we can just go for, a, no, give me 10 minutes and we'll go for a walk. 
Um, we, I, as you know, I live in, in the tropics. And so we take short trips throughout the year. We can do that. Let's stay, you know, let's attack a Friday, a Monday and a Tuesday and we go somewhere. I can still work if need be. And I can work from wherever I can work from the beach. I can work from a mountain. Um, my wife is American. So we go several times a year to visit family and friends over there. And, uh, um, I just, uh, my computer, I, I, I've gotten, uh, um, how do you say it? I, I've gotten spoiled in having two monitors. So I, I got a, um, a monitor that can hook up to my, my laptop and just work from wherever. As long as I have internet, I can work and, and work normally. So last year we were in the U.S. for, I think, once we were there for five, six weeks, five, four weeks. Um, and I continued to work normally without any break, uh, uh, any issue. Um, that, I think the main thing is that the freedom, the freedom of working on what I want, yeah. when I want it. There's the part that, you know, you, you, we've discussed it. The work has to be done. So sometimes you end up working a lot, but it, you really enjoy it. Yeah. And you make you... It. Go ahead. No, that's like the, 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 the freedom I had the luck, you know, and I got a slightly, um, spoiled also. I, I worked for about 10 years, almost 10 years in Europe, which has a ton of holidays, you know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't at all go back to a situation where I had only two or three weeks of, of, of break a year and I had to plan it and ask for it and, and hope for somebody to approve it. And so that, that is the key thing, the freedom of, of time and, and doing things on my own uh, on my own accord love that man that's that's beautiful so uh, of course i i think about this idea of freedom might reflect in my own life and i think control and freedom is kind of intertwined and you talked about that you have control over your life right you can choose you know sometimes you work and then you time spend time with your family now there was a moment in both of our lives where we felt uh, possibly completely out of control and i'm talking about the layoff so <laughs> So Which for we me, both have. I, I, we I, both have, yeah. yeah we both but have been, yeah. Yours was Locked. a bit more dramatic. So for us, they gave us a no Card period. For you, <laughs> oh no, you ca cardboard box, like you know, yeah. like in the movies. I can laugh about it now, but uh, <laughs> and it ended up being like you know the, the absolute best thing that could have happened to me. But yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, like and it was. Uh, I remember it was uh, April Fools. And I got home and my wife just looked at me. If this is a, if you're joking, this isn't funny. No, honey, sorry. Unfortunately, no, I'm not joking. Um, again, yeah, I can laugh about it now. It's it's not something that I, I, I you know, being laid off, it's not something that I take lightly. Um, and it is, it's funny that you describe it to that. Uh, a, I describe him as a friend, right? He's a client, somebody, the guy actually I, I was talking to about this morning, he once told me, don't tell, don't say it as you got fired. Hmm. That sounds as if, you know, you were stealing the coffee from the <laughs> where, from, from, from the, from a room and they found out that you were stealing the coffee. You know, I always tell him that, no, it wasn't that they never realized I was stealing the coffee, but, uh, <laughs> um, he always says, I know you, 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 the company had been bought out and, uh, all the management eventually got fired, uh, got, got let go. I was one yeah. of, uh, of the of the middle batch. Um, an interesting thing that I have found, I have since, and I think I've mentioned this to you before. Um, I, I am very open about it, and I and I mention it, and I talk about it often. And a lot of friends and a lot of close people have told me, you know what, I was also let go like that, and it wasn't my fault. But yeah. I just feel bad about it. And I'm embarrassed, and I'm. Yeah, I think. You know, depending on why you were let go, again, it wasn't something that I was doing wrong or I wasn't doing my work, my job, and uh, how you react to it. And if you make the most of it and uh, take it as an opportunity to to improve um, is, is very, very important. And yeah. sorry, you were saying, Abby, so you, you, the experience we had with the layoff and we were out of control. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. man, this is, uh, this is definitely bringing up, uh, memories for me. And, and, um, what I'm thinking of is that all these bloody euphemisms, right? These, these soft turns of the use, oh, layoffs and redundancies. 
man, I really think we need a we need a harder word. We we need a stronger word. And the word that's coming up for me is slaughter, because that's what it felt like, man. I mean, and yeah, you're right. I mean, we can laugh about it now. And yes, I mean, in the big picture, I say the same thing. I say that's the best thing that happened to me, right? Well, man, I remember how brutal it felt at that time. And yeah, yeah, I, I you know, we, we have made a vow to each other, right? We're, we're never going to go back to that. Now, of course, the funny thing is that, you know, that's about not being in control and you can end up the same way even while running your business. But, you know, again, right? So it's it's how you do it, not what you do. And and we are, uh, yeah, we're going to be focused on that. So that's that's great. Uh, cool. Uh, I, I have another question for you, but if you wanted to add something else. No, no, no. Go ahead. All right. Well, so yeah, this is uh, the, the wrap-up question that I love asking, which is, so I have seen you progress on this journey and it's amazing to hear about the impact you're having in this conversation. And of course, I've seen you present at our conference and so forth. Uh, I've heard from your clients. So that's truly incredible. But uh, I imagine you started where there might have been uh, some fear, some anxiety, some doubts. And of course, when I talk to somebody who's starting on this journey, there's like doubt about their, their skill. Am I good enough? Do I know enough Power BI? Um, will I succeed in this path? All of that. What would you say to that person who's standing at that threshold and about to start this journey? Uh let me see in general trying to uh, think of let me see trying to encompass as many possible people that uh, that uh, that the situation would mean is don't think too too much about it go for it now i'm not saying quit your job and 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 put a sign hey i can do reports or um, but start working. Obviously, if it's not against your company's policy, I don't know why I'm giving so many caveats, but... Um, yeah, you sound like HR now. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, well, um, no, don't, don't think twice about it. If you are thinking about it, if you are worried about it, it means you have studied and you have... You are a conscientious person that would do it. How, how do I mean? How, what am I, uh, do I mean by that? My, I find that my wife, I find that women, mothers get super mm. worried. Am I a good mother? Am I doing a good job? And my wife tends to worry about it. I think she, it's spectacular. She does an amazing job raising the three of us. Um, but uh, um, she, the fact that you're thinking about it, that you're worried about it, to me tells you that you're, you're a great mother. Mm. Uh, uh, somebody that isn't a, a great mother isn't worried. You know, it, it's uh, she would. Um, if you have certain doubts, it means you are conscientious. You are somebody that works hard, that wants to give the best of you. Ooh, uh, start yeah, small. Yeah. Start small. Don't, don't take on board a, a, a massive project for a company that has you know, hundreds of employees and, and is going to need reports for 100 people. But, but start. Start yeah. doing it. Start Talk to friends. Talk inside your own company uh, where you work. Um, raise your hand. Uh, having been in management, I know how frustrating it is to be opening up opportunities for growth, for learning, and people don't take them. I don't know. I, I, I um, find a partner, find a group that can support you, mm -hmm. and start. Start small, but start. Uh, you will not develop your skills and get better by doing you know, uh, uh, clean uh, uh, projects, uh, pre-canned, fictitious projects. Uh, jumping on board and, and uh, having to work with, you know, things where people type in uh, wrong information and things like that, you'll learn. You'll learn quickly. Yeah. And uh, you'll get there. Oh, love it. That's, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, um, of course, Power BI is, is, is good with messy data. Well, man, that's every business out there, right? So, yep. As long as you're working with AdventureWorks, Contoso, and Fabricam, it's not the, really going to expose you. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, recently I, I did a, a project for for uh, um, a company that uh, was looking after commissions, and they sell 
products from 15 different companies and the 15 companies send them the information obviously in different ways mm-hmm. uh, completely different they had to and they would do it by by hand and you know they had calculated they were doing about 15 hours one five hours a month uh, to calculate commissions which not more you know often than not had mistakes because of, and now they've automated it into something that half an hour 45 minutes that's incredible. Uh, another thing that I loved what you talked about was this idea of fear. And and the, the message that I kind of got was that I think a lot of time we equate fear as, oh, that means I shouldn't go there. Fear equals danger or something, right? But that's not quite how this is. And that's what you talked about, that the fact that you have that fear, that just means amazing. That means you're going to be prepared and, uh, uh, you know, you, you're going to plan for it and just take baby steps and get there. So, yes, yeah, so I think this idea that fear doesn't mean that, oh, danger, don't go there. Fear yeah, just means, yeah. oh, you know, tread carefully. We have to be careful. There's a thing called there's a, a the Dunning-Kruger uh, uh, syndrome. It's the people that don't know. You know, people that don't know about something can be very dangerous, aren't aware, and they think they're super good at it. And they, they you know, people that give you uh, uh, advice or, or opinions about science, about sports or something, and they, they say they, you, they cannot be swayed, um, normally don't realize their shortcomings. Somebody that has shortcomings or, or is not 100% sure realizes its, its shortcomings will improve. We'll study. We'll be yeah. careful. Um, so, yeah. Again, reinforcing it. Don't don't think too much about it. Start small, but start. Yeah. Start doing work, real life work. Love that. So, uh, let me ask you something specific, which I, I think we both again have in common, which we both come from a business background. And I know I've struggled with that. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not a techie, right? And I I feel like sometimes I'm going up up against these guys who are. Um, yeah, right. Data warehousing and AI and Azure, mm-hmm. and it can be intimidating, especially when you're starting. And... Yeah, what's what's your uh, what have you found in your journey about that, or if you have struggled with that? You don't have to have you have to have some inkling, but no, you don't have to know all these different languages and know all the different systems. Uh, things that you can eventually improve if you want to. For example, after four and a half years of doing this full time, almost five. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently made an effort. I said, okay, let's try to learn how to connect to an API properly mm-hmm. now. And I finally learned quite a bit, but still I have, what I would say is learn the concepts to and bring them into your solution. I know who to ask, um, mm-hmm. throughout all my work in whatever work I've been doing, I always had a group of, of allies or people that, okay, I'm not good at that, but I know I can go to that person and, and ask them. So if you need uh, to connect to certain systems, if it's very complicated, you're, you have to you know, let your customer know how, what the cost will be and the time and the quality, but develop a group uh, of, of connections that will help you um, know who to talk to solve those things. Uh, you don't have to solve absolutely everything. Uh, you don't have to know programming languages. Um, you have to, well, we're, we're doing business. You have to, to have some idea about numbers. Uh, if you've worked with Excel and done certain uh, formulas, you've done some lookups here and there, uh, you should be okay enough to start at least. That's terrific. So uh, I know when I started, there was this feeling that I, I needed to be perfect. I needed to know everything, know all the answers, and I needed to look perfect. And that felt like such a crazy burden. But what I've found is that that's not required for the work that we do. And often it's been okay to be vulnerable and be upfront with the client and said, hey, I don't know this. And a lot of times I've had opportunities where I could, I really kind of grew with the client. So I'm I'm wondering if, if you have experienced something similar. Yeah, absolutely. And and in terms of the, the type of analysis that we do and, and the, the, the solutions that we develop, because it wasn't possible for, before, people did just gave up. It, it would be great if I could if I could do this, but I it, to organize that on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, it is so much crazy, ridiculous amount of work that okay, no, 
Mm. Once you realize and the solution is there and the model is there, at least the initial model, and you realize, okay, oh, you mean we can start tracking? Uh, I don't know what you what, what examples to give you because, but you can analyze it to your heart's content. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean we can do X, Y, Z? Yes, of course. And then yeah. you start getting, could we do X? And and you can see how things start getting more complicated and more co- not not complicated in the sense of bad or mo- a, a stronger solution. Can we analyze the sales why but have a page that we go to based on the top 10 products they have bought for the last 10 years? And they realize you can do that. They realize you can program it in. And uh, so with them, yes, we, we have uh, evolved. I had a customer, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm thinking the type of, of, of requests that come in gets a lot more detailed yeah. and powerful yeah. once they realize it can be done. And it's okay for you to grow, right? I mean, you to grow your technical expertise as you walk that journey. As it mind, goes, right? absolutely. Not, not I, know it all beforehand, right? I mean, after I've started again in the last year doing Power Automate. And uh, we had a, a thing where we wanted to capture certain information, but it was live information on open orders. Orders that uh, the customer has ordered, has paid, but hasn't been sent either from the warehouse or they're waiting for it to come. Uh, that's called an open order. And because it's once it gets shipped, it gets removed from that table. I told them, well, we should be tracking um, what ha- what has been happening. I said, yeah, but that module, our ERP provider, it, it's about $15,000. It's very simple, but that's they said that's what it is. I went online and made an effort and started studying and reached out to a certain pe- people. And with Power Automate, I did it. So every every – and it's still running. Every Saturday it goes. It collects the information. It puts into an Excel file. And puts it into their SharePoint, and we've been tracking the information, and now they can see. Yes, we have improved. Yeah. And so I grew up in terms of doing uh, RPAs, robotic process automation, right, right. with Power Automate. Um, I will never be extremely well versed at it, but I know enough to do certain things, and I develop the connections now with people that can help me when I need something more complex. That's, that's wonderful. And of course, the story that you just shared, you, you did it at the fraction of the cost for that the model you might have done it, right? That's, yeah. that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, so Raul, it's been such a joy to hear about what you do, who you serve, and the fact that you do it on your own terms with your life of freedom, where you're in control, you choose so if people do want to work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, they can email me. I, um, I that's, well, you, you know, because you struggled with me. We, we had some technical difficulties, and that's why I'm on my phone. Uh, my, for some reason, the computer wouldn't. I would be able to share it. Um, I don't know, Avi, if you can share my LinkedIn. You can, uh, or you can actually, I, I will, uh, my email, you can R. Jimenez, R-J-I-M-E-N-E-Z at Delphi B-I, D-E-L-P-H-I-B-I dot com. Um, or That's on great. LinkedIn. I, I think you're, you're on, easy to find on LinkedIn as well. Especially on LinkedIn, the, I'll see. Yeah. Raul Perfect. Jimenez, you will, you will find me there. And it'd be great. a pleasure. If you guys have questions and in general, I also end up helping a lot of people just for the sake of it. And if it's something simple, you know, uh, we can jump on a session and, and solve some simple things. No Tech problem. or career advice? Open to both? As well. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. That's great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Raul. All right, folks. We'll see you on the next one. Take care and power on.